0: Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Kebabs done right and delivered right to you via Uber Eats and Deliveroo. Hello, welcome to Football Social Daily, the podcast full of news and opinion from the English Premier League. Between now and the end of the season, we'll have a brand new podcast for you every single day. So make sure you keep up to date by hitting subscribe, and that way you won't miss a show again. I'm Niall, welcome along to the podcast. And on today's show, we'll discuss how Burnley were embarrassed last night, both on and off the pitch. The Clarets were smashed 5-0 at the Etihad Stadium by Manchester City. But sadly, the biggest talking point came just as the game began. A plane flying over the stadium carrying a banner behind it. The banner reading, White Lives Matter Burnley. Burnley Football Club have condemned the banner and vowed to issue bans to those responsible. Sean Dyche would also have condemned his side's performance too, with Phil Foden tearing his team apart. But a negative for Manchester City is that Sergio Aguero went off injured. We'll discuss. Tonight's fixtures in the Premier League sees Tottenham take on West Ham in a London derby. Jose has been passionately defending Harry Kane this week. David Moyes perhaps less passionate as he's pinpointed a final day clash with Aston Villa as perhaps the key to the Hammers' survival. Nice to see David Moyes setting his sights so high. Leicester face Brighton too at the King Power this evening and we'll preview that one for you right here on Football Social Daily. Alongside me on today's podcast it's Marley Anderson. Hello Marley. Hello. How are we doing? I'm good, mate. I'm very well. we've also got Lee Whitehouse. Hello, Lee. It's been a while. Hi, mate. How are you doing? You're well? All good. The uh, the baggies are still in
1: the top two, so nothing to fret about over lockdown for you. Well, we, we managed to actually sneak above Leeds on, uh, at the weekend, considering we've, we've managed to get a nil-nil board draw with Blues. But, uh, yeah, um, I was actually hoping that we'd follow suit with the rest of the EFL, to be honest, and just close down the season. But, yeah. Um, such it is. We will. Uh, yeah, we. To be honest, we're looking at the squad, and we're having this conversation last night with a few of the lads. That that front the front five that we've got plus the bench, we should rip that league apart now. To be honest, I, I'm quite, I'm quietly confident that we'll be back next season. For anyone
0: who's not listened to the podcast before, Lee is a West Bromwich Albion fan, and uh, they've been sort of on the the fringes of promotion all season so best of luck to West Brom and of course to Leeds as well it'd be good to see them back in the Premier League I know Marley used to work at Leeds United so he'd quite fancy them to be back in the top flight uh, before we get started should we have a little bit of a review it's been a while since we've had a, a podcast review so let's get stuck into one um, this one comes from Jacob JJJJJ JJ via Apple Podcasts he says brilliant podcast rounds up football with ease." And a great bunch of people have listened for a while and haven't got bored. Would recommend. Well, that's always a good start. Also, it's funny and Marley is brilliant. Love his responses to things. So there we go, Marley. got a little fan in Jacob JJJ via Apple Podcasts.
2: Get in. I'm going on tour next year with just my fan club. Going to start my own podcast. Just half an hour of me running absolute crap about people going <laughs> through my bins. Well, now you're under pressure
0: to say something funny throughout the course of the podcast. So you better get your thinking cap on. Ah,
2: story, story of my life. Story of
0: my life. Talking about Marley ranting, normally you rant about Burnley on this podcast. And unfortunately, um, last night is something I think all of us probably would want to get off our chest in terms of having a rant about something. It's because the football last night at the Etihad, which finished Manchester City 5 Burnley nil. Was somewhat overshadowed by a plane which flew over the Etihad Stadium just after kickoff, pretty much precisely when the players were taking a knee to pay their respects to the Black Lives Matter movement, which, of course, has been endorned on the back of the players' shirts throughout this opening game week of the Premier League restart. It's been a movement which has been sweeping the world, and and rightly so. I think um, I'm not speaking out of turn here to say that we all at Football Social Daily absolutely condemn racism uh, in any way, shape or form. Um, that didn't seem to be the case from whoever was flying that plane because the banner that was being dragged behind it read White Lives Matter Burnley. That was It was a pretty shocking banner. Um, you're shaking your head, both of you guys there. It was a pretty shocking banner. And unfortunately, in this podcast, we should really have been talking mainly about how Manchester City and Phil Foden rip Burnley to shreds as they seem to do every time they play Burnley. But Marley, that's not what we're going to talk about at the start of the podcast because whoever's decided to fly this banner has got what they've wanted they've caused the storm they've made themselves infamous they've you know got themselves in the headlines but i think it's important we do mention there is absolutely no place for behaviour like that in the premier league and it's really sad to see and we're going to condemn this as, as much as we possibly can because it was a real shock for everyone
2: yeah it's um <clears throat> it's one of them isn't it where you you just scratch your head you're like, what goes through people's minds? Like, yeah, imagine that, that that banner costs like 600 quid minimum, like 600 quid to a grand. So, you have to go to a long way to be, you know, to go out your way, to go out your pocket and be racist. And it is racism, and, and people say, oh, well, you can say. You know about Black Lives Matter and what about White Lives? And it's like you as Ben Me said last night, you are completely missing the point. Like, you are you know what you're doing. You know that it's wrong, but you're in the current state of the world. You know with racism and protests and and a sort of societal like movement kind of thing, people are getting brave in their in their. On their wing, either left wing or right wing, and you know pushing their ideologies as if as if they they have a platform for it, and you know there's there's a lot of like questions you've got to look at with with last night and this this um, banner that went over. I mean, the plane company should never have flew it. However, they're they're getting out of it by saying, well, you know, it's just it's just words. It's not it's not actually racist as in what it says but it's you know they're getting out getting out of it with the technicality if it's not it doesn't have racist language on it but obviously we all know the racist meaning behind it is is uh the issue so they should have had more morals to say no um but obviously with the lockdown period as well they haven't been flying for for three months so they probably wanted the money to to do it um which is a problem um and then there's this the, the idiots behind it who were I mean, by by fifteen minutes into the game, they'd all uh, there's screenshots of of um the guy's Facebook, um there's pictures of him with, with Tommy Robinson. Um and you know exactly what kind of person he is because you see them on the news, you know, screaming at um at protesters that they don't like and trying to push their own stuff and it's it's a problem that's followed Burnley for a little while so so when um Ben Mee came out after the game against uh, City yesterday and and said said what he said I, I I felt sorry for him because it's hard when when you make a statement like that it's um it's something that like is always going to get the get the attention and it's not fair on the Burnley players who are representing the town and then you, you get some pillock like that flying something over and, and overshadowing everything and it sort of labels Burnley Football Club as racist when, you know, the the players that are on the pitch representing them have nothing to do with the the arseholes that are uh that are out there, you know, doing this doing this stuff. So hopefully they'll well they will be banned and they will be found and it you know, it doesn't make the problem go away, but you know, people just people gotta do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally
0: agree. And we should credit Burnley Football Club in this instance because whilst the game was still going on and like under an hour almost. Since the banner was flown over the stadium, they had issued a statement vowing to catch those responsible and hand them lifetime bans. So Burnley have made their stance clear on this. And Marley mentioned there, Lee, Ben Mee's comments after the game. Now, as a club captain, sometimes it can be difficult to find the right things to say in difficult scenarios. Teams just been thumped 5-0. There's an unfortunate incident off the pitch, which has overshadowed the entire game. But... I think we're all in agreement that he actually spoke really well on the issue. And, um, you know, I think he couldn't have done any more really in his position, saying what he said in an emotionally charged moment.
1: Yeah, I thought he handled it brilliantly, actually. When you, when you look at, like you say, they've just they've just got thumped. And he's got to, rather than come off and, you know, answer questions about the game, which is what he, he'd probably expecting to do, he's got to answer these questions because some idiots decided to fly a banner over a stadium um and use the foot i mean the, the frustrating thing for me is they're using these these idiots are using football as a platform to get their racist views across this mm. is a this is a it's a society problem this isn't this isn't a football problem for me i mean we've had so many recent you know, issues over the, over the course of this season that has just restarted you know the raheem sterling problems the stuff that was going on with england um in terms of racism you know this is a big Issue we have in society, and these idiots are using football as a platform to get their message across, it's just absolutely disgraceful. I'm, you know, I feel sorry, I just want to just say what well, Miley was saying there you've got to feel for the players because they're now tarnished with this. Whether you know, whether you like it or not, you know, people will go, Well, Burnley Football Club, racist, that's now what they're going to have next to them, rightly or wrongly. You know, people who are looking at this because you've got to remember, you've got this is this is international news. This isn't a something that's just going to this on Sky Sports News. This is across the BBC. This is across all news platforms. Um, and you've got people who dislike football who will just be going, "Oh, well, you know, Burnley Football Club—they're just a racist football club." And then mm. that also then links in with football supporters as a whole because if you are going back a couple of weeks when the protests were happening in London, a lot of those the anti um, the anti Black Lives Matter protests when they, they all clashed. A lot of that was it was also it was it's football hooligans who were bored that were made that were in those protests. So again, it brings back the football fans as a whole are mm. uh, racist, and that's not yeah. that's just not the case. Absolute, just because some idiot they've even called they've even called, uh, uh,
2: they've, to... they called the organisation the the football lads alliance as well. And I mean that just. That just reflects on football like so badly because ninety nine percent of the fans aren't that, but with their name, it just tarnishes the whole the whole sport and it is them them one percent them them hooligans who just want to fight like they did in the nineties in the late eighties and football isn't that anymore. You don't go for a scrap anymore because no one's up for it. Everyone's moved on, Every, like the games moved on, the policing's moved on. Nobody goes for a scrap anymore. It's not that anymore. Football isn't that, and it hasn't been for years. But they want it, and they have thought, well, how can we have a scrap? Oh well, we'll get into politics, and we'll football lads in politics, and it's it's a lot of rubbish because they don't even understand the politics. They don't have the brain capacity to the to actually, you know, put their views across in a in a way which doesn't make them look like racist idiots. But yeah, it's it's a baffling one for me, but. It's a shame for Burnley, as, as Lee was saying, but I mean, it's
1: it's just a shame that we're sitting here having I mean, to discuss it as well, because you know we should be sitting here saying, you know, discussing the restart, discussing you know how well it's gone actually as well. I think you know, for the, I mean, some of the games have been a bit flat, but actually, you know, a lot of them have been they've been very competitive, uh, and we you know, we should be sitting here congratulating the Premier League um, and the AFL and getting football restarted in this country, and instead we're sitting discussing some stupid idiot um or a group of stupid idiots. he wouldn't have done this he wouldn't have done this himself i'm sure no. you know there's and you've also got to condemn the guy who flew the plane uh, you yes. know, I, I was watching uh, he graham could have said sooners. no lee couldn't
0: he he could have just turned around it. and said i'm not doing it
1: yeah i was watching graham sooners last night um after the game and he was he was getting actually quite emotional about the fact that he, a couple of years well it was when he was managing football clubs it was quite a, long, quite a while ago but he was saying that um the only time he's ever come across racism in football was in the direct it was in front of some directors, uh, and he hated himself for not standing up for uh, the black players uh, mm. at that time. And he, you could see he was get he was getting physically emotional with with Watson. You know, and let's be fair, Graham Sims is the hardest man in football. You he, don't see, it. but it was quite touching to see to see that from uh, him. And you got, but this, and he was saying that he angered himself. He didn't question it. Why would that company not question what they're doing? It just mm. doesn't make any sense. They should be condemned as much as the guy who's, well, he's clearly on, he's all over social media bragging about it, so he's not bothered about it, is he? But it's
0: just shocking. The whole mm. thing
1: to disgrace.
0: Can I just say this, though? How much of a coward do you have to be to fly a plane with a banner like that? If you're that proud of how racist you are, why don't you have the gumption to stand there outside the ground with your banner in your hands because you know that what you're doing is wrong. If you're not that bothered about it, then you would have stood there outside the ground with your cronies or your mates that chipped in a tenner to, as you say, pay for the 600 quid, 800 quid a grand, whatever the banner cost. You would have stood with all your mates who chipped in outside of the ground with your banner, proud as punch of how racist you are. Now, that's not the case. It was flown on a plane, which to me just goes to show how low they are the level of these people secondly i understand burnley football club have said that they're going to issue lifetime bans and rightly so and burnley football club have done a lot to combat racist issues in a town like marley says of burnley which has had its problems in the past A few years ago there was race riots and i understand that there is a large proportion of burnley fans who have come out and people that live in the town that have said you do not represent my town you do not represent my football club i wholeheartedly understand that however The people of Burnley and the football club need to do even more. They have to do more. And the reason I say that is because over the last two seasons, 2017-18 and 2018-19, Burnley FC were reported for more hate crimes than any other football club in the EFL and Premier League pyramid. And it was by a lot. There was four more hate crimes than the next highest club, which was Manchester United. Manchester United are three times the size of Burnley Football Club. They've got at least four or five times the fan base, maybe even more, that Burnley Football Club have got worldwide. Yet, Burnley were reported for 17 hate crimes across the last two seasons, 15 of which were racially orientated. That is unacceptable. That is not good enough. That is an issue in Burnley that needs to be sorted and addressed by the football club. So, I understand people coming out and saying... This person doesn't represent, but it's not one person as we've previously discussed. It's more than one person putting the money in to pay for a banner. There is an issue there that needs to be solved. The fact that of those 17 hate crimes, 15 were racially aggravated. That is more than the entirety of hate crimes reported by a club, which is arguably the biggest in the world, Manchester United, across that two season period. This is Burnley we're talking about. Probably one of, if not the smallest club in the Premier League, give or take Bournemouth. This is unacceptable. A club that small, that size, should not have to really come out and say we're not like this because there is an issue in Burnley and they need to be doing more to solve it. But I think we should leave it there. I think we should actually talk about the action on the pitch and the fact that Manchester city Marley, absolutely gave Burnley a hiding and it's not the first time since Pep Guardiola took over City in 2016. Burnley have lost nine of the ten matches between the two clubs. Sean Dyche, his style of football has come under criticism from you plenty of times on the podcast. So I think you're quite uh, in enjoyment when you see Burnley
2: getting a good old hiding. Yeah, it's um, it's not a surprise that the, uh, the old 4-4-2 lump it towards the big lads up front doesn't work against a good football team, isn't it? Uh, it's one of them where I think they've been beat... In the last three years, at, at the Etihad, they've been beat five 0 three times. Like the the past three times have been, and it's just like, if, I don't know. Like obviously, Man City are a great team, but can you not try something else? Like let's why don't you not play two strikers up front? Why don't you play five? At the play five at the back. Keep the keep the try and keep the score down. Try something new. Burnley, if you've seen Burnley play one game of football you've seen them play every game of football for the last five, six years because that's how they play it every time. So if you're going to go into that with that, that level of tactical rigid like rigidity, is that even a word, rigidity, rigidness, um, then teams are going to work you out and the good t- you're going to have a real tough time against the good teams because they're not going to let you have the ball. And if they score early, it can be a cricket score. And, you know, after um, the first goal went in last night, that was it, like... Burnley, we're never going to get back into it unless they something crazy happened. They got a, a, a wonder goal or some sort of set piece that they could work or something. But to do that, you had to get in Man City's half, and they couldn't get into Man City's half. They couldn't deal with Mahrez. They couldn't deal with uh, Foden. Um, they, I mean, De Bruyne wasn't even on the pitch. It could have been ten or twelve nil if 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 Man City had properly wanted this. It, I'm not even exaggerating. Like Foden ripped them apart. He was amazing. Um but it was disappointing to, as well to see Burnley just like give up because it just it looked like a training game in terms of their effort as well as you know, it's bad enough that, that um matches look like training games with them being no crowd and extra shouts from the touch lines and stuff. So it feels like a, a training game anyway. But then when you see them just standing round, literally watching Man City pass the ball left and right and, and not trying to make a tackle, it was even worse but it's like non-league, Marley. It was like non-league. And we had a joke about
0: this last night. I text you, yeah. didn't I, saying that it doesn't yeah. matter what level of football you're at. There's always someone that goes... Get it away when the ball comes in from a corner. There's always yeah. someone going get rid. It, it doesn't matter. You can be the most elite player. You've got like Ballon d'Or nominees on the pitch, yeah, yeah. and that's the same thing you hear on a Sunday morning.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we. I mean, we record this podcast in in Manchester. I'm pretty sure if I uh, if I opened my windows last night, I could have heard. I could have heard Sean Dyche screaming, "Boot it away!" Just because they uh, his his voice is so loud, and they were just <laughs> getting absolutely hammered. But the thing is, even when they booted it away, there was no one up there to go and chase it. You know what I mean? So it was—it was—they were always going to get absolutely wall up last night. I mean, I wondered whether they'd be they'd be better off abandoning the game, taking the fine, not giving the uh, not. Not giving the racist yeah, guy
0: abandoning the games of three exactly nil.
2: they would have won the last three 0 and they wouldn't have to answer all these questions about the racist guy because he wouldn't have had a platform because there wouldn't have been a game to go on so if they'd abandoned the game it would have been uh, it would have been better for Burnley as a whole um,
0: to be fair to Sean Dyche I do feel that. He was a little bit hamstrung because, like you say, if he only knows how to manage one way, he was out without Chris Wood, who's kind of his key striker this year. Ashley Barnes is out. Berg Goodmanson's out. They've had some injuries as well. I don't think think, um, Aaron Lennon is going to play for Burnley again. He looks like he's going to be on his way. Um, Jeff Hendrick might be on the way out. They've got some real contract issues at Burnley. But, you know, it just makes you wonder what their ambitions are. We've discussed this on the podcast before. We know what Manchester City's ambitions are, though, Lee. They want to win the Champions League. There's no doubt about it. So seeing Sergio Aguero go off injured, that would have kind of caused a few hearts to twitch a little bit um, over at the
1: Etihad. Oh, totally. Um, For me, Aguero is by far and away the best striker that is in the Premier League at the moment. I I think he's he's my first bloke in my dream team. he's, (laughs) he's 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 the bloke you rely on. Every time they lose him, they 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 miss something. They are missing something with him. Jesus just isn't up to it for me. He's just not good enough. He's not the man to. I mean, they're big shoes to fill. And when it when he finally, you know, I often believe you look at him. He's never he's never won Player of the Year, and yet yeah, he scores all these goals. Uh, he never really gets the applauded. Maybe it's because he's not um, he's not the big time Charlie, and he's not like the arrogance, and he's not you know walking around throwing out cash everywhere, but. You know what? The, the guy is just an absolute machine when he when it comes to scoring goals, and they they will miss him now. And we know that the league's gone. Um, you know, even last night, I was looking at the table last night. It's still twenty point gap. It's just ridiculous. Um, and you just you, but you look at it and you think, right, they can still go and win the FA Cup. They can still go and win the Champions League without him. Though, you do wonder whether they've got enough. Upright. I know it sounds stupid to say because you look at the the wealth of riches that they've got in terms of. De Bruyne, Mahrez, Sterling, you know the, the, the silvers. You, they've got so much talent. I mean, Foden has suddenly come to the fore in these last two mm-hmm. games, um, and it's just they've got so many riches. But when when they're up against it, you know, I mean, a lot of the stuff over the lockdown has been: what if that, what if Aguero didn't score that that goal against QPR? Where would they be? You know, because he's he's that player. He's, he just scores, and he's so pivotal for them I, I really do think Without think I think they'll struggle to win the Champions League if I'm honest because so I think you, sometimes you, when your back's against it up against it you need a bit of luck in those games as well um, you just need to be able to uh, rely on your scorer to, to get on the end of something in, in, and finish and that's what you need
0: But what's been a gain to Man City has been the fact, Marley, that Phil Foden's come through and every time he plays, he seems to score or assist or just generally have a good game. Lots of people saying that he doesn't get used enough by Pep, but when he is used, he's excellent. And he was class again last night. I mean, it just bodes so well for the future for City.
2: Yeah, the the people that say Phil Foden should get more games, uh, to be honest, it, it winds me up a little bit because, like, you can say that and... Yeah, you might have a point, but I think there's diff there's a difference between playing games and missing out on what you get. Training with with Man City, for example, he's he's so much, uh, he's so so good because he trains with De Bruyne, David Silva, Bernardo Silva, Rodri, Gundogan, uh, everyone, Aguero, Sterling, Mares. If you sent him on loan to a newly promoted team, for example. Like if you sent him on loan to Aston Villa last season, he wouldn't be anywhere near the player he is now because he wouldn't be training with with the the guys and he wouldn't be at a level he'd just be at a lower level he might yeah he might have got more minutes he might have got toughened up a bit like people say oh you know you've gotta you got, to have, you've got to be tough to play in the Premier League, but the fact is he's he's twenty years old and he's taking the Mick out of players like he's that good, he's running games. Like in terms of you know he's he's running rings around Burnley. He scored two goals. He scored another in the week um, against uh, who was it? City beat in the week Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal, exactly. I mean Arsenal. Arsenal are a top six. Well, that's another <laughs> debate. But top top, as, top you ten. Know, I, my point is Arsenal. He, at one point were, we're a good team. <laughs> um, and Foden is Foden's popping up and he's scoring against them when he when he's on the pitch. He's amazing. So. People that say you know he's he needs to go out alone, he needs to play more. I I think he's playing just enough, and I think he trusts Guardiola. Guardiola trusts him. Um, I think he'll get better and better, and he'll be at a level where you know he'll just be an asset for England. So I think I think he's an amazing little player.
1: The biggest compliment that I heard last night about Phil Foden came from Guardiola in his interview, um, and he, he was asked about um, when you obviously David uh, David Silva's come to the end of his time. Um, you know, did you make the conscious decision? Did you get um, that you were going to replace him, or Or you've got Phil Foden that you're not going to replace him? And he categorically came out and said, "We all got together, uh, him and his advisors, and they just decided they don't need to replace David Silver because they've got Phil Foden." I mean, that is such a, what a compliment that is. I mean, he might just be there. He might be. A, he's thrown out a statement to actually give the boy some confidence, and you know, but what a what a statement to come out with that to, for Pep Guardiola to be giving you that level of confidence and having, putting that much confidence in you to go and replace this legendary status man of a club, that's just huge. And it shows how good he... And he's to be fair, quite stood by Foden as well. He's never sent him out on loan. He's never... You know, he's always backed him. He's always said, this guy's going to be a brilliant player. But he said last night again, he's, this guy's going to be part of the next 10-year future of this football club. Um, you know, and to be fair to Foden, he could have looked for a move as well when he's looking at looking at Sancho going in and ahead of him in many ways in England and Hudson-Odoi and some of these guys are all kind of in in front of him in England at the moment in the England pecking order, but he's he's you know he's clearly got the right advisors and I think eventually what's going to happen, his phone will just be the main starter for England and the others will just kind of have to work around him, but he, mm. he's showing at the minute signs of what a really good or amazing talent he's going to be moving forward. He's only 19, 20. Yeah,
0: exactly. So young, still so much to learn and so much ahead of him. So it really is a promising sign, both for City and for England. And the fact that Guardiola, when asked in press conferences before, whether he's going to send Foden out on loan, has just kind of laughed it off and said, that's impossible. It's never going to happen. Just goes to show the, the level of confidence, as you say, Lee, that he has in his player. Right then, Manchester City 5, Burnley 0 at the Etihad Stadium was the final score. Time to take a quick break here on Football Social Daily, but stick around because afterwards we'll be previewing Uh, Tuesday night's action, uh, games for Leicester and Tottenham as well. Not to mention Jose Mourinho's rant in defense of Harry Kane. (laughs) We'll catch you after this break.
2: Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Get it delivered to your door via Deliveroo or Ubreets. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
0: Welcome back to Football Social Daily. I'm Nile. alongside me we've got Marley uh, and we've got Lee and we're going to discuss the upcoming games in the Premier League. Tuesday night's fixtures, Leicester City against Brighton and Tottenham Hotspur against West Ham United. And it's at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium that we're going to start where Jose Mourinho in his pre-match press conference yesterday came up with another legendary Jose press conference quote. This time it was a list he reeled off defending Harry Kane. Now the list was of other strikers that he's worked with in the past and their goals per season ratios coming up with their averages and stuff like that it was something we've not seen from Jose for a while Marley but oh my goodness was it refreshing to see him go into
2: full on Jose uh, mode I mean I uh, I was on Twitter last uh, yesterday and when it came out I have just wrote that this is, we've had a hundred days without Jose Mourinho and he's come back with a bang hasn't he, I mean he's come back in one of these classic Classic rants that he's uh, come up with. It reminds me of the, uh, you know, the when he um, he got the all the, the, the list of of players that he'd given youth chances to uh, at Man United, and uh, he's held three times, and holding up the three fingers in the press conference, and was like, respect, respect. And he's clearly um, he's clearly backing Harry Kane. I'm just, however, I'm just looking for Didier Drogba's um, goals. Goals per season record because he he didn't the the stats he came up with were a bit uh, they seemed a bit out didn't they? Because what, Didier Jogba scoring sixty goals a
0: season surely not that can't be I, a wrong stat. I think
2: <laughs> I, yeah I mean I I have a feeling he was making that up a little bit. Um, I'm looking at so league goals for Chelsea the most he got. He got 36 in 2010, 2011. Uh, So, I mean, obviously it's a a lot of goals, but it's not not averaging 46 a season, is it? Like you said, but... And Jose wasn't even the manager
0: in 2010. That was Carlo Ancelotti, was it not? So, Jose, he's got absolutely... Absolutely nowhere near. Um I guess he's counting there the Ivory go. Coast goals or international goals into that. Pre season goals. He's counting every Maybe. sort of goal he can find, hundred <laughs> percent.
2: Maybe he scored he scored a few in his kitchen past his <laughs> uh, past his wife or his girlfriend or whoever and he's counted them in as well or something. But um to be fair to Jose, I think the the point remains. The point that he is making is, you know, he's had he's had top strikers before and they've done well under him. It's not really about the numbers that they scored. He was he was defending his uh, his tactics with with Harry Kane, and uh, uh, to be fair, a lot of the pundits as well of of they're just like it's like they're casting the rod, aren't they, into the the thing and and looking for a prediction that might or might not come true in the saying that Kane might not play to his best under Mourinho because he's a little bit defensive and. They've not really got anything to base that on in terms of because they've not seen Kane play under Mourinho too much because of the injuries and the, the 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 lockdown and whatever. So it's a, it's kind of a bit of yeah. it's a bit of bait from journalists and it's been snapped up by Mourinho this time because uh, mm. he's uh, he's come back with all guns blazing. I think with that uh, that little press conference, but it was great to see because I've said it all along. Whether you like him or not, Premier League is better with Jose Mourinho in it because he's entertaining, he's, he's absolute box office. Um, and yeah. I'm here for it.
1: He was the most, he in, is, in yeah. lockdown, he was the most searched football manager name in the Premier yeah. League. Considering that Klopp and Guardiola are in the league and Klopp's <laughs> about to win the league, Jose Mourinho was still the most searched uh, person. This was according to Google stats. Um, <laughs> as We were just about to come back in. Um, are I heard they, that are the they today, more accurate rack- than
2: Jose Mourinho stats? Or <laughs> 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 who
1: knows? I I can see why he's getting the criticism though. I, I've got to say I I watched the uh, United Spurs game the other night, and to watch Harry Kane sitting in his final third as United are attacking is it? If you're a if you're a Spurs fan, that's a that's disheartening to the matter. Your top goal scorer, the man who you rely on the most to get dig you out of a hole or to score you the goals to get to get you into the Champions League, is sitting in, the, in the, his final third defending because. Paul Pogba's just come on the pitch. It's a bit—you've got to say—it's a bit concerning. And I think he does deserve some level of criticism. I understand that he's got his way and he's got his style. Um, but you, you know, you've got to question as a pundit. They've got to question that, surely, especially when arguably United should have gone on to win that game rather than uh, come out of a draw. So you've got to mm-hmm. you got to understand why he's getting. he has got to understand why he's getting the criticism as well. Yeah,
0: I think as well since. Klopp and Guardiola have come into the league. Mourinho's management methods have come under scrutiny a lot more. Um, But I do think that maybe the stick regarding strikers was a little bit unjustified. And it did feel that Paul Merson was, like Marley says, kind of looking for a bit of a uh, a prediction to come true. I mean, it is Kane's first competitive game in six months. He's just come back from surgery on a hamstring injury. Um, He's not played since like the first week of January so it was always going to be difficult and it's only been one game, it's the first game back so who knows, we might see Harry Kane smash a load of goals in between now and the end of the season um, but it did just feel a little bit sluggish, I think that was just to be expected really but what about their chances tonight Marley, they've got West Ham United in what can be quite a feisty derby, at least it has been over the last couple of seasons uh, between the two clubs since they've been in the Premier League together um, Dele Alley will be available again for Jose which is a boost, he was banned for the United game after mocking Corona virus on snapchat so he was handed a a one game ban for that um what do you think the outcome of this one will be because west ham desperately need points particularly uh considering that uh brighton picked up a valuable three points against arsenal watford picked up a point against leicester last week i mean they're they're desperately in
2: search of some points yeah but it's time's running out for west ham isn't it i mean what we got left now Eight, eight games left uh Mm. Judging by the way they played at Wolves, you know you wouldn't you wouldn't fancy them too much in in beating too many teams. I I just don't think <clears throat> the sum of their parts is is so much greater than the the outcome. Like they've got some decent players: Lanzini, Haller, you know Diop, Suchek looks all right. Uh, Anderson's got it in him to to play, but but he doesn't fancy it, and uh, it's. It's tough for West Ham. I can't see. I don't. I, it'd be, it's basically for me. It's between them and Bournemouth. It's who's worse out of them for the for the final eight games because they look like uh, they look like they're in real trouble in in terms of the way they play and you know this this though for Spurs. Just going back to Spurs, I think the the break has affected uh, has impacted Spurs. In the most positive way, I think. I think the it came at the right mm. time. Um, they had no strikers at all uh, before lockdown. Uh, son was son had his uh, injury, didn't he? he had a, a broken arm, was it? Um, he had the military yeah. service hanging over him of, of some time. When, when to when to do this? Um, he's been and smashed that. Um, Kane was out. Uh, Troy Parrott wouldn't uh, couldn't get a game because. Random reasons, I don't know why. Um, Mourinho clearly didn't didn't rate him to to start, um, but now they've got everyone back and it's this will be a test because Spurs should beat West Ham. It's there's no doubt about it. They played okay against uh, Man United mm. in, in the first uh, the first half. They looked they looked all right, and it was like right here we go. The, this could actually be Spurs coming back to the Spurs. We 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 think they are. Um, with everyone fit and, and them raring to go, so if they fail to break down West Ham, it's it's bad for them because then it's a case of oh, hang on, does Mourinho's style suit these players? And will he need a rehaul and, and in the summer and and get quite a lot out and mm. bring other ones in and to to fit his philosophy? And it's it's one of them where uh, West Ham might West Ham might fancy it, but how how much have west ham fancied this season There's not much because yeah you know the the they've the been lounging shocking down they are yeah. just sleep, they are sleepwalking into into trouble and mm. the fact that moes has already mm-hmm. said you know earlier earlier this week about the the last game against aston villa it's, I'm sorry mate but if you don't if you don't get to that last game it's a very real possibility that you could be relegated by that uh, by that last game and it could be two yeah. relegation uh confirmed teams scrapping it out like two homeless men fighting over a, a bag of chips on the road like no one will be asked about watching it. <laughs> so it's 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 one of them. So both it's it's important for both teams tonight, but we'll see.
0: I think you've made a good point there, Marley, about David Moyes' quote saying that, you know, he's pinpointing Aston Villa on the final day of the season as some sort of Relegation playoff. Now, like you say, both teams could be down by then. I mean, that's not the attitude that West Ham fans want to hear, Lee, is it really? The manager coming out and saying, ah, it's all right, we've got seven games to go, but I reckon the last game of the season we might have a chance against Villa. I mean, David Moyes has had his question marks over him as West Ham manager since he took over the job, but if I'm a Hammers fan, I'm thinking, why are you saying that, Gaffer? You're giving me no confidence whatsoever.
1: It's the worst thing your manager could come out with. I mean, I've watched West Brom get relegated numerous times. Uh... <laughs> you know, you've never. Know, I don't think I've ever heard one of our managers coming up. Even Pardew at the end was never saying, uh, you know, never saying that we're going to we're going to the last game of the season. You know, he never lost belief that we'd still pull out of it. Um, yeah, I'm just that's
2: looking he at the He wasn't sacked before that, that's why. Well,
1: there is that after the yeah after <laughs> Barcelona reasons. Um, yeah, I, I just just looking at. It, I mean, he he may be he may be being a realist in this as well. he's He's got to look his fixtures. He's got Tottenham, then they've got they've got Chelsea after this as well. Let's not, that's not gonna be <laughs> an easy game. Uh, and they've got to play Man United at Old Trafford, so they he's probably writing that off as well. Um, but he's got the interesting thing, actually, he's got four fixtures in between Chelsea and Man United. He's got Newcastle, Burnley, Norwich, and Watford. They're all winnable games. He can't just be, you know, if he's looking at the Villa game as the last hope, what's he saying that they're not gonna win at least two of those four fixtures? that's that's pretty much why he's suggesting in, in that point
2: mm. they
1: could go on to win all four of those fixtures quite comfortably because they're not they're not difficult teams to play. I mean Newcastle away is gonna be tough uh, well we think it looks obviously the way they they started the other day uh, but Burnley we saw them last night awful Norwich awful Watford hit and miss you know you've got they've got every chance of picking up nine ten points out of those four fixtures and they could be well out so why mm. he's pinpointing Aston Villa, it just shows the mentality of him, and for me, since he's since he left Everton, he's just been a shadow of the manager he was there. And Man United's maybe sucked the life out of him. I don't know, but it, it yeah, it's such a for, a for a supporter to hear that you, you know you've got to go and beat Villa last game of the season, and let's yeah. go. Villa ain't going to be a walkover as much as they're poor this season. Mm. You know, Jack, Jack really, she's always good to pull something out of a bag. Um, yeah, it's just so disappointing for, from a fan's view that he's he's mm-hmm. gone down that route. Probably be sacked by then anyway, because uh, <laughs> you know, well, they at- like to fire people in that club.
0: Actually, fascinatingly enough, this is the first game in the top flight of all time ever that two former Manchester United managers have come face to face. That's never happened before two ex-United managers have played against each other. It's just never happened before, at least post their Manchester United careers. Um, Because obviously these two managers have squared off before, but they weren't managers of Manchester United at that point, which I thought was unbelievable. Just goes to show the longevity of managers that they've had at Manchester United. And speaking of uh, Man United, they would have one eye on the other fixture that's taking place tonight, Marley. Leicester against Brighton, because Leicester City um, could only manage a draw against Watford. Ben Chilwell's absolute thunderbolt looked to have given them the lead, but a last-minute equaliser from Watford, another great goal uh, in that game to make it a 1-1 draw. And they'll know that Manchester United are looking stronger and stronger by the week. We've seen Fernandes and Pogba look like they linked up in the brief period they had against Tottenham on Friday. So Leicester will know that they're going to need to pick up three points against Brighton. But Brighton will be confident because they beat Arsenal at the weekend. So, you know, it could go either way, this one, in, in a strange way. You would have picked Leicester before lockdown to win this one pretty comfortably but the way things have fallen at the moment could go either way
2: yeah I think um, at, the, at the weekend when Leicester played Watford I was looking at that game and uh, I heard a few um, people talking about it on I think like Football Focus and, and Sky or whatever it was and uh, I agreed with them in, in the fact that I couldn't back I couldn't be confident of backing Leicester to beat Watford away from home um, with the way they were they were playing like even though we've got nothing to base it on Watford are, are fighting for everything, and Leicester have just kind of been coasting towards that top four spot since uh, since sort of the Christmas period and the start of the year. They went through a bad run of form, and they're in danger of getting caught up by, by Man United, who are, you know, Man United are going, you know, like that, like up, and Leicester are just sort of going steady. Like, so mm. if there's enough time in the season, it looks like Man United would catch them if they can uh, keep everyone fit. And, and playing well and what have you. Um, so Leicester, I, I still think they're they're a better team than Brighton. But Brighton will be buzzing after beating Arsenal. They're still not fully safe. Although I don't expect them to. I don't expect them to get dragged into it too too badly. With you compare the way they're playing compared to the way Bournemouth and um, West Ham are playing. It's it's night and day. The 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 levels that, that they look to be at, at the minute. So. Um, It'd be an interesting one because Brighton, Brighton, uh, will fancy turning them over, but we'll we'll see. I mean, Leicester, uh, Leicester, need to get back on the horse quickly because, at the same time as as thinking, um, you know, thinking that they they need wins, like they won't be thinking. Brighton, a tough. Brighton are going to be a hard game. They, they, they'll be looking at everyone, thinking, well, Brighton are probably the, one of the easier teams we're going to play t- between now and the end of the season. So if we don't beat them, then we're temp- we're tempting fate and, and potentially dropping out of that top four with Chelsea and uh, Man United right on the backside. So mm. it's a must-win game, I think. Lee, do you see do you
0: see Leicester securing that top four spot? Do you think that's still up for grabs? Because with Chelsea's win at the weekend um, against Aston Villa. They're kind of got. A, they've got a comfortable cushion now. I don't think Chelsea will drop out of the top four, but Leicester seems to be the one that everyone's gunning for at this moment in time.
1: It's still a big gap, though. You're looking at eight points. and It's difficult to claw back eight points. Although the one thing I will say is that I think Leicester have been found out a little bit, a little bit now. I mean, I, just before we came out, actually, I was chatting to Marlin. I was saying that a bit like the Sheffield United uh, lived out. It, these teams that have overperformed or in our view have overperformed across the season. Um, You know, you've got all these clubs who've got analysts coming out their ears now, you know, all the clubs have got four or five analysts who analyze everything about every game. They've had nothing to do for three months. So all they've done is that looked at the the last eight, nine games of the season and they've analyzed the shoe horn out out of all those clubs that they've got to play and found all their weaknesses. And Leicester, to be fair, they've they've won one in the last six and they're, they're not looking good at the minute. Vardy's obviously, the goals have dried up before. Uh, Madison's gone a bit quieter. Um, Harvey Barnes, he was chipping in. but you know, they, they, You've got to wonder whether they have been caught out a little bit. However, like I so said, eight points is a, it's a pretty tough gap to go and find. The other problem that Leicester have got, actually, as well, which no one's talking about. Everyone's talking about, obviously, United and the fact that they're on an upward trajectory at the minute and they're looking good. And Pogba Fernandez looks exciting. But mm. Wolves had the break at the right time. Wolves had played something like fifty games up until before the um, before the lockdown happened, uh, and so they've had a they've had a really good break. Wolves and they've come out. They looked really good against West Ham. Now, again, granted what well, we've just been saying about West Ham, but they did look uh, really good. I made to a Wolves fans. They're all excited after that game. So it's not even, it's not like they've just got the one team to worry about. They've actually got another one who are also on an upward trajectory, and I've got a very good squad. And it wouldn't surprise me if Wolves also make a good make a good run for it towards the end of the season. But like I say, eight points—it's it, a tough—it's it's a tough ask in eight games to go and claw that back. I mm. think unless you're going to drop, you're expecting Leicester to at least lose three or four of their last games to to to, to, to enable that to happen because Man United ain't going to win every game, mm. and the Wolves. So, yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I think they'll they'll stay in. Just it'd be close. To be clear i don't see Chelsea falling out now They they've they've got their new signings coming as well which will help um yeah it'll, i think they'll still hang in there just about
0: Okay, well, Leicester against Brighton tonight at the King Power Stadium and Tottenham Hotspur against West Ham United too. We'll have coverage of those two games on tomorrow's podcast because, of course, here on Football Social Daily, we'll bring a new podcast out every single day between now and the end of the season. So hit that subscribe button and you won't miss another one again. Don't forget to go and check out our shiny new website, sport-social.co.uk, for all the latest news uh, and team updates and match reports as well on Premier League action. Right, that's it for today's podcast. Cheers, Lee. Thanks, Marley. Cheers, guys. Cheers. And we'll speak to you again on tomorrow's show.
2: Football Social Daily with German Doner Kebab. Fancy something different for tea? Get takeaway delivery now via Deliveroo and Uber Eats.